Well, tonight we're going to look at one verse. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and you can go ahead and turn over there in your Bible if you want to, if you want to follow along with us. But here's what I want to do. I want to read that verse tonight. I want to talk a little bit about where that verse is found so we can kind of have a little bit of a backdrop of what's, what it's talking about. Then I want us to think about together that one verse and think about what the Lord has for our lives out of that verse. I especially want to think about it tonight in light of our current series, How Not to Dread Christmas. Because tonight we're going to talk about one of the best ways to rescue or to redeem Christmas in other words, one of the best ways to transform our experience of these holidays from something we dread to something we enjoy is to learn something that I, I believe is found in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. We need to learn to focus on other people and not so much on ourselves. This Christmas, I believe God wants to teach us as a church family that truth, focus on other people, not yourself. So let's read Acts chapter 20, and I'll read verse 35, and you can follow along with me as I read. It says, the Apostle Paul, he was speaking there, he says, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now these words are actually found in one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And just a little trivia here, this, in this one chapter, Acts chapter 20, verse 24, is what I would consider my life verse. What God's sp- kind of spoken to me about is this is the purpose of my life. And then a few verses down in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, I would consider that my ministry verse, the calling that God has given. So it's a very special chapter in my life, for sure. But in this chapter, we find the Apostle Paul finishing up what, uh, if you've studied anything about the Apostle Paul, some of you have, maybe some of this is the first time you've ever heard this, but he went on several missionary journeys. When Jesus Christ came into his life, he had a passion to spread the good news that everybody in the world would hear the good news about Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul went on several of what we call his missionary journeys. And what we find here in Acts chapter 20 is he's coming back, he's on his way back from his third missionary journey by the way if you'd like to see and don't do it right now but if you'd like to see where those missionary journeys are a lot of times they're found in the back of your bible those maps in the back they're there for a reason and you'll see it'll show here's the first journey of the apostle paul here's your second journey if you trace those steps what we're going to be reading from tonight is actually found on that third journey that he took as a missionary uh, taking the good news across the world But as he was wrapping up that trip, he had been uh, one of the primary focuses of that trip is uh, that uh, God was uh, uh, speaking to his heart about helping to collect an offering, a special offering for some things that were happening in the church in Jerusalem. And as he's wrapping up that trip, and in some ways, he's wrapping up his life and he's wrapping up his ministry. And so we find him here in Acts chapter 20, he gathers together some of the elders or that word can be translated elders or, or that position of spiritual leadership can be called pastor or shepherd. In our church, we call it we call it pastor. Uh, it can be called overseer, or some people use the term bishop, or uh, like I said, elder. Different churches use different terms. It's, it's really basically all the same term. But he gathered together what we would say our pastors. He gathered together some pastors, the pastors of the church of Ephesus. And as he was kind of coming through the area, he didn't go to Ephesus, but he called for them. He shared some things from his heart with them. And you can read about that if you go back to verse 17 and you read down through uh, verse uh, 34 or so. 
and you kind of catch up with where we are tonight. But basically, this is what he shared with them. He shared that when he had been with them, he had been with them ministering for about three years previously in Ephesus. And he says, when I was with you, my heart, my intention was to be a godly example to you. And now he was saying to these pastors, to these elders, to these overseers, I'm challenging you as I'm kind of wrapping up my ministry, my direct ministry in your life. He said to them, I'm challenging you to follow that same example as you serve the Lord through that church in Ephesus. So he shares several distinct things that intentions that he had while he was with them. And one of the most important things he mentions is in verses 33 through 35. And I'll just back up and read that. He says, uh, while I was with you, he says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who are with me. And then in verse 35, in everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak, help those who are hurting, help those who are in trouble. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The Apostle Paul said, when I was with you, one of the primary emphases that I wanted to have in your life is that I wanted to show you that we as Christians should have more of a concern for others than we are concerned about ourselves. Actually, this verse in verse 35 is kind of unique. In fact, someone said this verse that we're focusing on is of great consequence because you may not realize this, that is the only quotation of Jesus when he was here living on this earth Outside of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the only direct quotation of Jesus found in the New Testament. Isn't that kind of interesting? So that person says that gives significant weight, does it not, to the truth that this verse reveals. So what we want to do today is think about these very important words of Jesus and see how they apply to our lives, especially as it relates to what? To Christmas. The first thing I want to think about today is this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to realize that Jesus' way, the way he does things, is other people oriented. In this verse, Paul is talking to those spiritual leaders, to those elders, those pastors, those overseers, and he's saying to them that whole idea of a giving focus instead of a receiving focus, he says, listen, that's the way of Jesus. He says, the Lord Jesus himself said these words. It is more blessed, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Paul says, I'm telling you that's Jesus' focus. I'm telling you that was my focus when I lived with you, when I was trying to teach you about God. I'm challenging you this is how you as spiritual leaders should live. And ultimately, the whole purpose of all that, the purpose of Jesus living that way, the purpose of Paul living that way, the purpose of Paul teaching those spiritual leaders to live that way was so that all of us, every Christian, would look to Jesus, would look to Paul, would look to their local spiritual leaders in their local church family, and that every single one of us would live out a lifestyle of focusing on other people instead of ourselves clearly god's word shows us that is the way that jesus christ does things let me give you some of the best verses that uh, that that show that in the bible philippians chapter 2 verse 3 the bible says in giving direction to us this is the apostle paul speaking to another church the bible says do nothing that's a lot isn't it that means what 
not anything. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. That word selfishness, it makes a lot of sense to us as Americans because that actually, that was a word that they used to describe how politicians treated each other. What they were saying was selfishness. It's saying do nothing from self, basically, maybe a better translation, do nothing from self-glorification. Have you ever noticed that when a politician, when they're doing a debate, my whole goal is not necessarily sometimes, you find their goal is not necessarily to share who they are. Their whole goal is to show that whatever they are is better than that guy, right? That's exactly what this word is saying. Do nothing in life trying to glorify myself or make myself look better than other people. Do nothing like that. Or from empty conceit. And that basically means pride that has no basis. Okay? It's kind of like we would say thinking we're something when we're not. Okay, that's exactly what that's saying. It says do nothing trying to make yourself look better than other people. Do nothing trying to think more highly of yourself than you ought to. It has no basis. But with humility of mind, in contrast to that, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And here's the example. Have this attitude, have this mindset, this way of thinking in yourselves, which was also in who? In Christ Jesus, it says. How did Jesus think? How did he approach things? It says, let me tell you how Jesus did things. It says, who although he existed in the form of God, and this, uh, this whole uh, verse here is a little bit difficult to translate the way it comes across, but basically it's saying this, Jesus Christ is God himself, okay? And though he is God himself, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, again, that's kind of difficult from English, from Greek to English, isn't it? What does it mean? He didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. It, it Maybe a better translation with he, he didn't regard equality with God as something that he had to cling to. Okay, And maybe you've heard me say this before. The way I, the way I paraphrase this passage is, Jesus did not leave heaven for me and you kicking and screaming. Okay, He didn't say, no, I don't want to. I don't want to go. Don't you know who I am? He didn't assert himself. Does that make sense? Okay, so he says, we should have a humble attitude because look at Jesus' example. Of all people in the world, he had the right to say, do you not know who I am? Let me show you my credentials, right? He had the right to say that. But of all people, he did not do that. But he emptied himself. There's a voluntary aspect to that. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Here again, that voluntary nature. He didn't have to. He, ma- he voluntarily humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the worst of all punishments, death on a cross. And then it goes through verses 9 through 11, describing to us as a result of that, as a result of his submission to the Father, as, his, as a result of his humble attitude, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every tongue, every mouth will confess in heaven and earth and under the earth and all of creation. Everybody's going to say, you got it, Jesus. He is the Lord, okay? One of the other great examples of this, uh, not necessarily describing what Jesus did, but showing us what he did in uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 34. 
It says well, in verse 33, when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals. Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, was crucified with criminals. One on the right and one on the left. But Jesus was saying, and notice the continual nature. That I've never noticed that till this week. It's imperfect. The tense that Jesus was continually saying, I've never noticed that. I always thought of him saying that one time. It says, Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Even while Jesus was on the cross, dying for our sins, he kept on saying this to the Father. Isn't that amazing? By the way, for those of you who struggle with God's love, for those of you who struggle with God's acceptance of God wanting to work in your life, if this was our Savior's heart, when he was dying on the cross, feeling the full weight and punishment of your sins, don't you think he has compassion for you this day? Amen? It does not matter what you've done or where you've been. You are not too far away for Jesus Christ to forgive you. Isn't that good news? Jesus' way, the Christian life, the life that God created for us to live, it is an other's focus. It is not ourselves. But there's just one problem. <laughs> That's not our inclination, is it? If God did not challenge us to think differently, this is what we would think. It is better to receive than it is to give. I don't even have to think about it. How about you? I like it. I like receiving. I don't have to be convinced of that. That's just the way I think. It's not to serve others. That is not my natural inclination. It is to take care of number one. And in my life, my universe, <laughs> he's right here. Amen? And in your life, your universe is the same way. So if we're going to follow Jesus, God's going to have to teach us to think differently, isn't he? You know, that should begin to characterize our life all year. But of all times of the year, I want us to think about this next. At Christmas, we should see that attitude more, not less. Of all times of the year, you know, it really doesn't matter what time of year it is. If I'm a follower of Jesus, this is where my life should be headed. Now, is anybody pulling this off perfectly? No. In fact, I'm reluctantly going that direction. Amen. <laughs> He's dragging me in that direction. The more I walk with him, the more I experience that. I enjoy that more. But God's having to teach me that. How about you? I'm growing in that direction. But you would think of all times of year, we would most live it out, especially around Christmas time. Now, why do I say that? Well, think about it for just a minute. As Christians, we realize that Easter and what it represents is really the most important aspect of our faith. Amen? I'll put it this way. If there was no Easter, Christmas would really just be a waste of time, wouldn't it? I mean, it would have been a nice gesture by God. I care about you guys. I want to kind of come relate to you. Kind of see what's going on down there. Feel a little bit of your pain myself. But if there were no Christmas, there would, there would have been no Easter. Right? So Christmas is not the most important thing, but without Christmas, you can't have Easter. In fact, here's kind of how I'd see it. We see, and in fact, some Christians have kind of gotten to the point where they're just like, downplay Christmas, downplay Christmas, right? Because Easter's the most important. Certainly Easter's the most important. But instead of separating them as, oh, well, Christmas is just kind of the, you know, 
not really that important. Easter's really what it's all about. Why don't we put them together? Why don't we say Christmas started the process that ended at Easter? Amen? Without Christmas, you would have no Easter. It was the necessary beginning of the path that would lead us to Easter. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. But when he had considered this, Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Joshua, the Lord, is our Savior. That's what that name means. His name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Do you hear that? In, that, in those two verses, what do you hear? You hear the birth that is ultimately going to end up in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christmas means, friends, listen, God became the greatest missionary of all. God left the glories of heaven to come to earth so that we might have the opportunity, praise the Lord, to one day leave this earth and go to heaven and be with him. What a selfless, thoughtful, other-focused thing to do. Amen? So let's think about it for just a second. Isn't it unfortunate that of all times of year, certainly Easter, but we're not at Easter right now, of all times of year, when God first entered into this world as a human being and started the process that would ultimately end in him paying the price for our salvation, offering us the gift of eternal life, of all times of year, you would think at Christmas, we would be thinking of other people more, not less. But actually, isn't it kind of weird when you think about it? How did we get it so reversed? Actually, of all times of year, we've kind of been trained. Of all times of year, Christmas is when you're the most selfish. When you're thinking the most about, what am I going to get out of this? How did it ever get messed up that much? Kind of sounds like an enemy, doesn't it? You know, that's what we need to be about at church. We need to be about exposing the lies of the enemy. Amen? Because we have been, we have been trapped and we've had blinders put on our eyes, and I think God brings us to church, and before his word, and, and through his Holy Spirit, and through encouraging one another, God uses all those means to open our eyes and say, oh my goodness, what have we done with this? We've not only messed it up, we've gone completely the opposite direction of what it's really all about. So I want to talk to you about how we can live this out. If God's focus is, okay, I have an others-oriented, I have a giving, not a receiving spirit. And of all times of the year, you ought to be experiencing that during Christmas. Let's think about some, some of the ways that we can turn all that around and restore Christmas to its rightful place. First of all, we can focus less on what I'm getting. Now, this is probably the simplest and most obvious place for us to start. In general... For you and I to be thinking about what others are getting, not ourselves. And especially as it relates to gifts, I want to talk to the kids for just a minute. Because it may be hardest for the kids, right? Now kids, guys, let me say this, okay? Let me be very clear about this. Have fun at Christmas. I believe that God brings great joy to our lives. Amen? And we ought to enjoy Him. 
And I believe that it brings great joy to his heart to see us enjoying him. Listen. And by the way, some of you adults can listen to this too. Listen to this picture of our God, our Father. Zephaniah 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. Praise his name. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet or calm you by his love. He will exalt. He will rejoice. He will be glad. He will be joyful. He will delight over you with loud singing. Isn't that kind of extravagant? And talking about God? Some of us, that is totally different than the image we have of God. Amen? And friends, don't get me wrong. Isaiah chapter 6 says God is a holy God. Okay? And in a sense, oh my goodness, when I'm in his presence, I'm in trouble. Amen? I mean, in a sense, I'm a sinner. I need his forgiveness. I need his cleansing. I need to be restored with him. We understand that. We better understand that. That is true. But you also need to understand that our God is a passionate God. He rejoices over you. And the best thing I can think of is a parent with a child. And we love our kids, don't we? And we love to see them enjoying life and having fun and, and being appreciative and, and just you know doing the things that they do as children. I think there's an amazing picture of God in the Scriptures where He loves us so much and He finds great joy and pleasure in us, His children. I hope you would just receive that tonight. Adults and kids, far from taking all the fun away, I believe Christmas with Jesus would be the most fun at all, of all. Amen? So if there's any Scrooges out there who might have taken this series that we're going through as a reason to say, we're taking all the fun out of Christmas. We're not doing anything. That's wrong, okay? It shouldn't be the worst Christmas. The Christmas with Jesus ought to be the best one of all. Let's just be aware of a caution, though, a trap. It's okay to enjoy even the gifts part of it, I believe. But we don't need to get too wrapped up in what am I getting this year and let that become our focus at Christmas. Okay, so that's on an individual level. That's a good challenge. That's a good reminder of all of us. But maybe even a second thing. Not only let's focus on what am I getting, but maybe even let's focus on what are we getting each other. Now, what do I mean by that? Thinking about others I love and what I'd like to get them more than I'm thinking about what I'm getting is definitely a step in the right direction, right? Okay, so this year... I'm trying not to so much think about what's my list and what's everybody going to get me. I'm thinking about other people. But some people are deciding to take it a little bit further even than that. So here's what some family are doing. Here's what some friends are doing. Here's what some coworkers are beginning to say. Either some people are saying, you know what? Let's don't get each other anything. And I would especially say, I wouldn't say this for the kids as much, but maybe the adults. Sometimes you hear an adult say, let's don't get each other anything. Let's use all the money we were going to spend on each other. And let's give it to a family that's in need. Or, or let's give it or let's go serve at the community holiday meal. Instead of worrying about the presents, let's go serve together. Or let's go Christmas carolling on Christmas Eve. There's a family in our church that they right after the candlelight service every year, they go Christmas caroling all, all across Glens Falls and Queensbury. Isn't that cool? Great family tradition. Let's have dinner together as a family. Just this week, I received a letter from a lady. She said, Pastor Robbie, my husband and I, an older lady, she said, Pastor Robbie, my husband and I, we've got everything we need. We've decided this year 
We're not going to give gifts to each other. Instead, we'd like to give so that other people can be blessed. So we're sending this check. We want the church family to use it to be a blessing to somebody else. Just yesterday, I got that letter. Isn't that cool? I mean, God gave an example right here in our church family of people who are thinking that way. Now, other people aren't quite going to that point. That's the point of saying, you know what? We're not getting any gifts. We're going to use that. We're going to serve other people. Other people are saying, you know what? We still want to enjoy giving each other gifts, but maybe, listen, maybe this year, let's save a portion of our budget that we were going to spend on one another, and let's give that portion to somebody else. Now, for example, my family. We've got a family of six. My wife and I, four kids. If each of us said, okay, out of, out of the gifts that we were going to receive this year or out of the budget that we had that we were going to spend on each other, if each of us took $20 of that and we gave it to somebody else. You know what I found out this week? If we did that, we could feed a child through Compassion International for three months. Wow. If we just said, you know what? We're going to enjoy our presence, but we're going to take a portion and we're going to give that to the Lord for his service. A child will be fed for three months. Wow. Or, have you ever heard of Samaritan's Purse? Maybe you may, you may not recognize the name, but you know the Operation Christmas Child, the shoeboxes that we send? Okay, that, that ministry is all over the world doing all kinds of things. Did you know, if my family said, okay, out of the six of us, we're all going to give up $20 out of the gifts that we were going to get, we were going to get or we were going to receive, did you know that if we gave that up and we gave it to uh, Samaritan's Purse, you could provide a water filter that would last a family for their lifetime. Did you know all over the world there's people who don't have drinking water? It's sanitary. Or maybe we could support our Awana, our Word of Life missionary. If we took that $20 a person, six people, we could support our Awana missionary, our Word of Life missionary for $10 a month for the whole year. Wouldn't that be cool? Our, our local missionary. Or we could rent a bounce house. And we could have a blog party for our neighborhood. Wouldn't that be cool? We could say, hey kids, we're having a blog party at our house. All the kids in the neighborhood get to come over for free and bounce on the bounce house. Or we could give to our hope offering. Or we could give to our church family. Do you get the picture? Now some of us might have begun moving in that direction for gifts. In terms of material things. And that's good. Keep going. I would keep, I would keep moving in that direction. But I want to bring up one other way that maybe some of us enter the holiday selfishly and we don't even realize it. So there's a, there's a third thing I'd like to suggest. The third thing is less focus on getting my needs met by someone else. Many people, you might be here tonight and say, Pastor Robbie, I'm with you on the material stuff. You know, I, I, I don't really care what I get or I haven't started thinking about that as much anymore i've kind of taken my focus or we have or our family you know we're we're trying to do some creative things with buying for others or contributing to different ministries or whatever we can do but some of us maybe are going into the holidays with some hopes or expectations or needs for somebody else to accept us to affirm us to notice us, to help us, to be nice to us, whatever it might be. And I want to suggest something to you to think about. Friends, first of all, I want you to understand something. If you have a need in your life, 
God cares. Amen? You can know absolutely, unequivocally, you have a heavenly father. If you put your trust in him, he cares about how many hairs are on your head. He knows when a sparrow doesn't make it in this world, certainly he cares for you. Amen? So I don't want you to have any doubt that God cares about your needs. And God is not saying that your needs are not important. But sometimes we go into the holidays hoping, dreaming, wishing that some need that we have is going to be met emotionally or in some other way that somebody else is going to meet a need for us. us. And what I'm challenging you to think about is to take your focus off of that. You may not even realize it. Maybe God would just speak to your heart. Take your focus off of that specific person meeting your needs this year. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's very likely that your focus, and it may be more subtle. You may not have even realized it, but it's very likely that your focus on, I'm really hoping, I'm really wishing, I'm really thinking... If that person's going to do that, it's very likely that that focus is going to get in the way of what God is wanting to do in your life or maybe God's wanting to work through you in someone else's life. That verse that we're reading in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it can actually be translated like this. Listen to this. It will make you more happy to give than it will to take. That's a different way of reading it, isn't it? It is more blessed to give than receive. It will make you more happy. It will bring more joy to your life. You'll have more peace in your heart by giving than you will by receiving. Or actually, that word can be translated taking. And maybe that's not a bad word to translate, is it? Because sometimes that's how we're seeing it. I'm not just receiving, I I deserve some things and I'm going to take what's rightfully mine. It's so easy for us to mess things up, isn't it? Are you seeing what God's trying to say? Are Are you getting a glimpse of how we've turned things around? God says, I want you to be others oriented. I want you to be thinking of how I can work through you to meet the needs of others. And friends, I won't go into this tonight, but I've shared with you before, the Bible teaches very clearly, because I want you to know, God's not just saying, oh, you be a doormat and meet everybody else's needs and be happy about it. No, the Bible says very clearly, there is no one in this lifetime who's followed Jesus Christ and put their trust in Him and honored them with their life who does not receive in this lifetime and in the life to come a hundred times more. Okay, so you be sure of that. God will meet your needs. Somebody said Philippians 2 that we read a while ago, maybe the title of that would be the way up is down. We start by serving, don't we? And then what does Jesus say? If you serve, then God can lift you up. First Peter talks about that. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the proper time, he will exalt you. He will lift you up. God's emphasis is not what's in it for me. God's emphasis is what can God, what does God want to do through my life and the lives of others? And what I believe God's challenging us to think about, that should be our mindset all year. 
And I want God to challenge you with that as a general mindset. But of all times of year, this is when it gets hijacked the most. This is when it's easiest, whether it's materially or emotionally, to start thinking about who? What's going to happen for me this year? And I pray that some of the things that we've talked about can help change that for you. You know what? Be creative. Ask God, you, you, can, you can use the ideas that I gave or you can think of your own. But just ask you, God, how could you change the pattern that is so prevalent in our society and help me show the difference that Jesus Christ makes in someone's life? You know what? For some of us here today, this really goes against the grain of what you've been taught and what you've heard. But you know what? I believe this is truth, isn't it? We were not created to be served, we were created to serve. I'm so glad that Jesus served me. Amen? You have been served. The God of the universe says to you, you are of such value. Nobody else has to do it. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to pay the price for you. Let me serve you first. Friend, You can't serve others until you've been served by God. And tonight, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever... Sometimes it takes humility to be served, doesn't it? What did they say when Jesus started washing their feet? Wasn't it Peter who said, Oh no, Lord. Oh no, you'll never wash my feet. The God of the universe is not going to get on his knees and, and clean my toes with all the dirt and everything. Yeah, it is gross. Exactly. He was being a servant, wasn't he? And Jesus, in not so many words, basically said, Peter, you need me to serve you. Tonight, would you allow the God of the universe to put on a towel and to serve you? Because it's only coming out of that that you're going to be able to live this kind of life in the lives of others. Would you bow with me for just a moment as we close out tonight? One of the main reasons that Christmas has gotten so out of whack, so out of alignment, is because we are taught it's all about me. And it is very difficult not to think like that. Because we continue to get those messages in our culture and there's something in our hearts that leans that direction. But I believe here tonight that God would affirm in your heart this is, the, this is the right way. The way up is down. The way to gain is by losing. The way to be exalted is by serving. The way to find life is by giving it away. It sounds so counterintuitive to us initially but I believe in our hearts we know this is the life we're to live and I pray today if you're a Christian and you are not serving other people are are you laying towards being a very selfish person or maybe it's not that dramatic maybe just you've gotten a little bit off track this year and you've been thinking about your needs more than others and God's just wanted to just kind of adjust that a little bit 
And maybe there's somebody here that's never given their life to Jesus Christ. And you're trying to do it on your own. But Jesus is saying, no, let me serve you first. And then I can work through you. Maybe there's somebody here like that little boy just a couple of weeks ago in our Awana class that you would just humble yourself and say, Jesus, I need you to do something for me. I thank you that you've already done it on the cross. And I accept you. I invite you to come into my life to wash me of my sins, to forgive me, to make me your child, to give me the hope of heaven. Thank you for serving me, Lord. And now I want to live a life of service to others. Is that the decision you need to make tonight? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your example. We thank you for the Apostle Paul. We thank you for the Ephesian elders. We thank you for this time here together tonight. And I pray that you would use it to do your work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Jeff's going to lead us in a song to close out the service tonight. Don't be in a big hurry. We're okay on time. Would you just let God minister to your heart tonight? Maybe this has been a good reminder for you. Or maybe it's been a big challenge. Or maybe you need to accept Christ as your Savior. Would you just let God do that work in your heart right now? If you need any help, you want anybody to pray with you, you want to talk with anybody, I'm going to be available down front. Any decision you need to make, if something needs to be made public, maybe you're becoming a part of our church family, or God's calling you to serve in some way, you want to share that, something that God's done in your heart. It doesn't have to be public, but you have that opportunity if you'd like.